Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. Before we jump in, I want to tell you, uh, we have a a listener spotlight going now where if you're you know not ready to be interviewed or you have a story you want to tell or, or something you're doing and you just want you know to be recognized as a listener of the show, feel free to fill out our spotlight uh, form. It's on our website. If you go to our website, uh, adventuresportspodcast.com, it's right there at the top. Uh, you'll see a couple options. You can suggest a guest, listen to each episode by category, and listener spotlight is right next to contact us. If you click on that, it'll take you to a form where you can upload some pictures, tell us a little bit about your adventure, uh, any articles or anything you want to share, social media links, so that we can, um, yeah, showcase what our listeners are up to. We've already highlighted a few of them, uh, but please fill it out. And if you know anybody that that we'd love to give a shout out on on social media, uh, let us know. And who knows, maybe this could lead to being on the show at some point too, if uh, the adventure is big and cool enough and uh, you want to tell the story. That's another big part of it. So any questions, reach out to me, info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Um, but more about today's episode. Today we're throwing this one back to Julia Alexiak uh, from episode 729 when she walked from Denver all the way to, to Rocky Mountain National Park over 100 miles away. I'm sorry, 70 miles away, not 100 miles away. Still, it's uphill the entire way, literally, so it probably felt more like 150 miles. probably felt at least double that. We're talking about Julia's project called uh, that she did through the Karen Project, uh, which is to basically raise awareness about some of the challenges that folks in urban settings have when going to a national park. You know, that's obviously an extreme to walk to a national park. But think about if you don't have a ride, if you don't know how to access a national park, especially with like the entry lottery system that's in a lot of national parks. Now, I know a lot of people are entering national park visitor summer season. Lots of folks are going on road trips, going to see a lot of big beautiful, wonderful national parks. I'm a huge fan of those parks, but there are serious and uh, obstacles for a lot of people in society that uh, Julia was raising awareness for. So if you know somebody that wants to go, or maybe you don't think they do, that's what I'm going to do for each listener. Encourage you to get out there yourself, of course, but take somebody out with you that doesn't typically go on this trip. You never know. Sometimes people you know, might, might hide it like, ah, I'm not interested, and really they are. They just don't have a way to go or don't know what to do or how to get out there. Or two, which I find pretty often, people just don't know what they're missing. You know, you might drive down a road your whole life and, and think you know what an area is like. Well, you get 50 yards into the woods off the road, and it's a scene, it's a setting, it smells and sights that you never could have imagined from the road. So I encourage you, Take somebody with you to a national park this summer, especially folks that might not have the opportunity otherwise. That's a challenge for everybody. Go to a park. It doesn't have to be a big national park. You know, maybe you don't have one near you. Go, go out in the woods. Go on a hike. Go do something. Go camping and invite others with you and continue to be inspired by stories like uh, Julia's. All right, let's go ahead and dive in. Julia Alekshak, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, can you tell me, I always ask this first, where are you coming from today? And if that's not home, where's home? 
Yeah, I'm coming to you today from Denver, Colorado, uh, and that's basically home. I grew up in Lakewood, um, which is just, you know, maybe 20 minutes <laughs> west from Denver. So No kidding. That's awesome. So this whole experience for you, I, I you know, I, I do an intro, official intro, and folks heard kind of a summary of what you did in the intro, uh, which was a, a walk essentially from downtown Denver to Rocky Mountain National Park. Can you tell me more about like, was this out of the norm for you? Was this something you kind of grew up doing? Did you grow up in a family that that did crazy things? <laughs> yeah, um, definitely out of the norm for me. Um, so I did grow up doing a fair amount of, you know, kind of hiking and, and road tripping and things like that. Um, my parents actually immigrated here from Poland. And so that was kind of one of the ways that we were able to do some traveling and adventuring in the US was going, you know, to national parks or to national forests and, and things like that. But this, uh, the, the long, the long hike and the long walk that I did was definitely um, not the norm for me or my family, I would say. Uh, what, what, when did the idea start? And when did you start telling people about it? And what were some of the reactions? Yeah, um, well, I guess so to, I have to give a little bit of a background there. So I actually did um, this through hike with as an ambassador for the Karen project. Um, and I originally had looked into the Karen project and applied to be an ambassador for them in 2018. Um, I was at that point uh, in between jobs and looking for different opportunities and um, applying for a bunch of different jobs and kind of found the Karen project through that process and applied to be an ambassador with them and um, which isn't a job, it's a it's a volunteer opportunity. Um, and I was accepted into the program in 2018, but then actually kind of at the same time ended up getting a, a job. And so um had to kind of defer that idea until 2019 when I was a little bit more established um, in the job and, and knew that I could have some time off and whatnot. So uh, basically, um, because I had applied to be this ambassador and had as part of the application, you have to you like pitch kind of an adventure fundraiser idea. So um, the idea had actually been in the making for probably about a year and a half before I actually uh, started the hike, which was in August of 2019. To be an ambassador for the Karen Project, you have to actually have an idea like this to bring to the table. Yeah. So uh, again, I can give a little background on the Karen Project. So uh, the Karen Project is an organization that was uh, created by two women. And the whole concept is basically... Um, they have folks apply to be ambassadors and as an ambassador, you do an adventure fundraiser and then the money that's fundraised goes into kind of this, um, pot that the Karen project then gives out in micro grants to organizations that specifically are helping to get, um, girls and young women outdoors. So <laughs> there, there was kind of a, um, a multi-tiered, uh, reasoning behind, uh, doing what I did, but but a lot of the kind of adventure fundraisers um, follow a bit more of a, a traditional through hike in the sense of maybe like the Colorado Trail or doing like a paddling trip or something like that. And so when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for my adventure fundraiser, I uh, really wanted the thing, you know, the <laughs> the physical feat that I was doing as well to kind of um, match my intention behind, you know, why I wanted to. To partner with the Karen Project, and um, so <laughs> I kind of was just thinking, you know, I was like, what, what could I do? What would be, what would be something that I could do that would still follow along in this kind of like a, a longer, bigger, epic thing? And so one day, 
I just was thinking like, what if I hiked from, from Denver to Rocky Mountain National Park? Um, and then my best friend's a landscape architect. So I kind of <laughs> floated the idea to her and I was like, Hey, do you think there would be like a, a route from Denver to Rocky Mountain National Park? And so we kind of like started looking at the map together and I didn't really, <laughs> I guess, until I became kind of the Karen project ambassador, I didn't really tell a lot of people that I was going to be doing it. And um, I think originally trying to remember when I first like floated it out on my social that I was going to be doing it, but um, the actual like fundraising campaign really didn't start until like a month before I was doing the hike. So, um, but yeah, when I told people, I think, you know, I, I know my parents and we're definitely like, wait, well, you're doing what? Like, why are you, <laughs> you're going to be walking on the side of the road? Like that's <laughs> dangerous. So yeah, I don't, you know, I didn't, it wasn't like intentional that I kept it kind of under wraps, but I don't know. I also am more introverted. And so kind of like the immediate people in my family knew, and then it wasn't really until I started the whole, like both fundraising and, and kind of like communications campaign, I would say around what I was doing that uh, the word started getting out further. And can you explain like why you did this? What what was the biggest reason and why you chose this route? Yeah. Um, so uh, as I mentioned, my um, I'm a first generation immigrants. My parents came here from Poland. Um, but, you know, I recognize that there's a lot of privilege within that. So as I mentioned, like we grew up going to national parks and things. And um, we had the opportunity to do that both with like with the transportation to get there but also once we were in those spaces we you know we felt welcomed or or at least we didn't feel unwelcome in those spaces and kind of as I started working more in the outdoor industry and learning more um you know kind of in the non-traditional sense I feel like when I was in college I didn't really these aspects or, or these topics weren't really touched on but learning more about kind of barriers to access and different things that that people who you know maybe don't look like me have to get past to be able to go to some of these places um so that like thinking through all of those things that's really that was really my why of this um <laughs> my during the kind of like campaign that I was running around it my hashtag was walk the walk and so I feel like I had done you know had gone to trainings or had done a lot of talking about this or reading about like barriers and had worked for some organizations in Denver that were specifically working to break down some of those barriers for youth in Denver that like they grew up in Denver and, you know, hadn't been, hadn't had the chance or hadn't had the privilege to go to Rocky Mountain National Park. So kind of throughout that whole process, um, my big thing in the hashtag that I used was walk the walk. And so, um, you know, I think there's a lot of talk around these types of issues specifically now and, in, in, you know, in 2021, um, around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I wanted to take that a step further and and quite literally walk the walk. Literally walk the walk all the way up to the park. And, and, and so, you know, I think it's so fascinating because when we lived in Denver, it was honestly, you know, obviously like a lot of people, access to the mountains. It's just the most, one of the most convenient metros to live in to get to really big mountains. And what blew my mind, my wife was a teacher there, uh, the, the, the stat was thrown around a lot from from REI talks to, to talks within the city to talks around schools. 80% of students at public schools in Denver, 80% of the students had never been to the mountains. And if you don't yeah. know, Denver's not in the mountains. It's just literally adjacent to them. It's just butted right up against the edge of the Rockies. And 
And it, you know, it does take an effort. It takes actually going into the mountains to experience it. And 80% of the kids have never been there. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, like, I think a lot of the times there's this mentality of like, well, just, just go or just get out there. And, you know, from to Rocky Mountain National Park, which, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of other (laughs) cool places and a lot of cool nature around Denver and, and nature just outside your door. But to get to Rocky Mountain National Park, kind of this quintessential um, location, it's it's about an hour and a half drive from Denver. And, you know, you're like, oh, that's not too bad, an hour and a half. But then when you actually start thinking about all of the things that need to fall into place to be able to get to a place that's an hour and a half away by car, you know, like you have to have access to a vehicle or access to some sort of transportation. And if there isn't public transportation in place, like, do you have the money to be able to pay for gas or, or can you pay for gas to get to a place like Rocky versus, you know, having to commute to work or whatnot? Or do you have the free time to get to get to go to Rocky Mountain National Park? So there's all of these various components there that I think, you know, sometimes it, it, it's easy to forget that all of those things, you know, are behind that decision of like, oh, well, it's just an hour and a half drive. Yeah. Something we experienced when we first moved there in our just early 20s young, you know, newlywed couple didn't have anything poor as can be. And it was, you know, as our vehicle reliable enough to go into the mountains. And there was one time we did go and it broke down on top of Berthoud Pass and we were stuck there. And (laughs) so it was like, that was a level of trauma to get over for the next time we went. Just like that is a possibility. And it was during a snowstorm. So it was like, holy cow, things can go wrong really quickly. (laughs) So if you've never experienced it and you don't know where to go or what to do, it can be extremely intimidating. And so yeah. your walk was to to raise awareness to about some of those you know th- th- those those things that get in our way th- those obstacles that people face uh and experience in these places. T- tell us about the walk itself. W- w- what did you do? Where did you start exactly? Um obviously in Denver, but but what was uh what was the route and what was that like? Yeah. Uh, So when I was thinking about like where exactly in Denver I wanted to start, you know, I knew I wanted it to be kind of in downtown again to really start in the the city level. And then the more I started thinking about it, originally I was like, oh, maybe at the Capitol building. And then um, I was like, oh, why don't I start at Denver's Union Station? So for those who, you know, maybe haven't been to Denver, Union Station is where originally like that was the old train station and now it's kind of been um, remade and reimagined where there's like the light rail starts from there. You can get a, a train from Denver to the airport. Um, a lot of RTD buses start there to get all across the city and, and sometimes all across the state. So um, I really wanted to start like a, a, that was definitely a symbolic decision to start at Union Station, um, both to touch kind of on this, you know, public transportation and it really is kind of the heart of Denver. Um, and then <laughs> I did so the the whole hike in it, it itself was 68 miles. Uh, I broke that up into four days. And so day one, I started at Union Station and I went to Superior, which was 17 miles away. Um, the second day was Superior to Lyons, which was 27 miles, <laughs> um, which was a big, big day. Jeez, yeah. Um, yeah. Then the third day was from Lyons to there's this Forest Service trailhead kind of halfway up the canyon called Lion Gulch. So that was 13 miles that day. And then the final day was from that trailhead to the Bever, uh, Bever, <laughs> Beaver Meadows entrance of Rocky Mountain National Park. And that was 
11 miles. And um, again, I chose that entrance of Rocky Mountain National Park. There's a couple of different entrances, but that's generally, you know, the most popular way to get into the park. Um, and kind of, or specifically, if you're, if you're coming from Denver or from that side of the Continental Divide, usually people are going uh, to the Beaver Meadows entrance. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. I know on this show we don't always talk about gear, but good versus bad gear can make or break an adventure experience. And I find the best gear is the gear that I don't even think about on the adventure. And what I mean is that the gear doesn't get in the way. It's not uncomfortable. It's not low quality. And it also doesn't have tons of distracting bells and whistles. It's what I need, and it's going to hold up. That's why I'm a huge fan of Outdoor Vitals. They create ultralight performance gear the right way. It's built by outdoor enthusiasts for outdoor enthusiasts. It is absolutely not designed and made by people with suit and ties and a corporate office somewhere. I know the folks personally at Outdoor Vitals. I'm actually wearing one of their shirts right now. And what I've found as I get better and better and more experience in the outdoors is I'm willing to pay for quality because a lot of times you only pay for it once because it lasts forever. And that's what I'm finding with Outdoor Vitals. I own around half a dozen pieces of gear from them, and I wear it out, and it is still holding up. And there's all these little things that they've thought through, like with their sleeping bag, there's a zipper right in the middle, and I find it so much more comfortable to zip my sleeping bag up right there. And there's all these tiny little improvements they've made without it being you know, useless distractions or just the latest thing that doesn't really actually help. So I know when I need a piece of gear and I don't want to do all the crazy research into what's best, I know that the folks at Outdoor Vitals have thought through it all. And if you want to check out some of their new innovations and the great gear they have, go to OutdoorVitals.com. Again, that's OutdoorVitals, V-I-T-A-L-S.com. And tell them Mason at Adventure Sports Podcast sent you. We all love getting out in the wild. Whether you're camping, fishing, kayaking, whatever it is, you want to know that you're prepared and ready for anything. Enter the Rely On Battery Outlaw 1072S, a portable power station built exclusively for off-grid adventure, fulfilling your battery needs anytime you're out in the wild. The 1,000-watt Outlaw packs 72 amp hours of power. That translates to over 250 phone charges or a whole week's lighting. And with an LCD screen for a real-time readout of your power status, you'll never get caught without power. Recharge at home from your vehicle, or you can even use solar energy. You get zero carbon emissions, bringing all the power you need without all the noise and fumes of a gas generator like you see oftentimes at campgrounds. Plan your next adventure with Outlaw from RelyOn. Currently on sale for a limited time at RelyOnBattery.com slash adventure. And that's R-E-L-I-O-N Battery.com slash adventure. RelyOn Outlaw 1072S, powering adventure without limits. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Yeah, and Rocky Mountain is the third most visited national park. So it, it's, a, it's a lot of traffic and a lot of traffic going the way that you're walking. And it's not, <laughs> yeah. uh, from what I can picture in my head, having gone up there a bunch, it's not very walker friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely have that right. Um, so yeah, so for, for those who haven't uh, driven that way, 
you know, w- within Denver and the city and, and I would say even like Denver, maybe like the, there were some parts getting up to Lyons where it was really just walking on the side of the road. But um, from Lyons into Rocky Mountain National Park, it's a, a canyon, <laughs> like a, a winding mountain road that's in a canyon. And so as you'd imagine, not a very big shoulder, um, a lot of blind curves, uh, <laughs> cars, you know, speeding past you. Um, so I did in that section, I did a lot of like guardrail jumping. Um, so in places where there wasn't like an adequate shoulder or basically no shoulder at all, I would, if there was a car kind of coming <laughs> towards me, I would jump over the guardrail oh my um, just to have like that barrier in between me and the oncoming traffic how unnerving is that that's wild (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was um it it was definitely wild uh there were some parts um just like I remember being you know in in fight or flight and just like my body being like having such an adrenaline rush during there there was one specific section in there that just was like it was so scary (laughs) um and I remember at one point just sitting, there was like a little rock outcropping on the other side of the guardrail and just sitting there being like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? But at the same time, as I was sitting there and I was like, okay, like, just, just breathe, just try to, (laughs) it'll be okay. Um, I looked across the, across the road, like up the canyon wall, I heard like this weird sound. And then I just saw like some deer start running and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So then like, not only was I worried about cars I also was like oh yeah this is you know outside of this road this is a pretty secluded and mountainous area like this is habitat for wildlife and um just seeing those deer kind of start running after hearing that sound I just was like okay I can't stay here like I don't know what's up there if it's you know a mountain lion or or something else but you know like at at that point I also was could have been prey right (laughs) Yeah, you definitely could have been. I mean, it happens in that area specifically. And, you know, you know, it, what's crazy to me is that you're starting at Union Station and it is yeah. literally a downtown metro <laughs> hub with millions yeah. of people living around it. And, and to know that you're about to walk on foot to a national park on foot, just to just essentially a long weekend later that you're walking over the course of a weekend that far to, to, to where you have to transition from avoiding vehicles and avoiding traffic to avoiding mountain lions, potentially, and elk and deer and bears. Can, can you tell us, like, what did it feel like to start out? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Was it, I don't really know what I'm getting myself into? <laughs> Just take us through that. Yeah, um, I would say kind of all of, all of the above. Um, I would say I was nervous in a way of, like, I don't, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I don't really know what is going to happen. You know, I, as I mentioned, this was kind of like a year and a half in the making, but leading up to it, like I, you know, I tried to train, I guess you would say. And just in like, like I was intentional about going on more walks and trying to get in a couple more hikes and, and things like that. But it's, you know, I didn't really know what to expect in terms of I had, you know, mapped out the route and I specifically drove that road into Estes Park about a week before I was going to walk it just to like really scope it out um but yeah that that change from kind of being in the the urban setting 
uh, to being in this like remote canyon where I like I didn't have service in the canyon for two days um you know on my phone or anything so (laughs) that was really strange to to kind of go from like the hustle and bustle of Denver to then kind of start winding through there's like some pastoral kind of farms up between Lyons and Superior or between Superior and Lyons and then um from Lyons onwards it was very much so like you know gaining an elevation going into like the deeper mountains versus kind of just the foothills there so the path from Denver to Rocky Mountain National Park is something that you've experienced and driven your whole life did it feel you know unfamiliar or new in a way by seeing it on foot and seeing it at that pace versus in a car yeah definitely I would say um the Denver portion uh, specifically I had some of those feelings because you know I, I had gone to Rocky in my life but not not so often that it was like a super familiar drive necessarily but just in Denver yeah I mean walking walk like it's funny because in the city there is the walking infrastructure but it's almost like we don't do it very often um and so getting to do the walking in the city just there was so much more that you noticed or like little flowers popping up out of asphalt or really cool street art or just seeing like little bits of people's lives or little interactions that in a car you know you're you're not looking over there or, or you're just not thinking about those things or you're trying to get to where you're going. Um, so definitely had that experience in Denver. Um, and then for the portion of the road um, from Lyons into the park. Yeah. I mean, that it, it was definitely a very unique experience to see the road, I think at that pace and from that perspective and you know, I, after having hiked it, like I was <laughs> driven out, from Rocky Mountain National Park, you know, I had to get out. And so driving that road all the way back after having just taken, you know, two days to do that section of the road, it was a a really um, intense experience to be like, whoa, (laughs) we just drove down this in, you know, 35 minutes. And that was something that took two days of walking to accomplish. And so, yeah, that it, definitely a lot of like things that you notice and see and just a completely different perspective to be uh, walking versus just driving. When you're walking, you don't miss a beat. You don't miss anything. You're, you, you, mm-hmm. you have the chance to see every little piece of trash on the side of the road, every little detail you get to, you know, take a double take just about anything just because you're, yeah. you got the time and you notice everything. You notice the smells, the the temperature, the feeling in the air even. Yeah, no, it, it totally was amazing. And um, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because usually when I'm on like a hike, I always um, pick up like any little pieces of trash I see or something. And so that was something that was hard for me. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> yeah, to pick up yeah. like all of these pieces of trash, you know, and I was like, no, I can't like, I don't have the capacity to be able to pack this out right now. So um, yeah, but you definitely you, you don't miss a beat and you get to see the city and just kind of all aspects of the hike in a very different way. And another thing is it's pretty much completely uphill going the way you went. Like it's one freaking long climb until you get to kind of a summit right before Estes. But it's essentially all uphill. Was there a point at all that it felt like just too much for you, too too bizarre of experience or or too difficult? (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, there were, there's kind of two points that stick out in my mind that I was kind of ready to be like, no, I can't do this. Um, So as I mentioned, the second day Superior Alliance, that was 27 miles. And I, you know, I I like hiking and I've gone on some longer hikes, but probably maybe like 14 mile days at most before that. And so 27 miles was a lot. And also um, for anyone out there who, who does a fair amount of like urban hiking, 27 miles on pounding on pavement, or maybe if you're like a runner or marathoner or something, 27 miles on pavement just is a completely different experience for your body than on a trail. And so I remember waking up the second day and just like starting that morning and being like, you know, I just like something in my like foot hurts, but like, I was like, I'm just, it's fine. I'll, you know, I'll just keep going and just like progressing throughout that day. Um, Both of my feet started hurting just like so much worse and in a way that I had never experienced before in a regular hike. And um, (laughs) so I remember getting to, I stopped in Niwot for lunch and I remember um after lunch kind of getting back into it and just getting to this point of being like oh my god I still have three more hours of walking to get to lions like my feet hurt so bad and just sitting on this rock and like just you know feeling like mentally totally ready to be done with it um but I (laughs) I kept walking and um I made it to lions and ultimately made it to Rocky Mountain National Park but yeah, that was one one time I remember where I just was like, man, I really can't do this. And then, of course, I found out later when I got to Lions, like what was going on, <laughs> why my feet hurt so bad. And like when I went to take my socks off, I had actually like my feet had started bruising just from that repetitive impact. Um, so I had had like <laughs> both on the arch of my feet on the, and on the outside of my foot just were like swollen bruises. Um and so that like that was one of the times and then the second one which I kind of mentioned already before that the there was like a one section within the canyon that there just was basically no shoulder and I was jumping guardrails and my heart was racing and I just like felt like I just had so much adrenaline and I sat down um and just was like this is like why am I doing this um so those are kind of the two that stand out in my mind of being kind of like this is so intense and like you know did I (laughs) did I bite off more than I can chew you know standing on the side of the highway in a canyon with no (laughs) shoulder and having to jump over guardrails every time a car goes by with hurting feet yeah I I think I would think a time (laughs) or two like what the hell am I doing out here (laughs) Yeah. Every every adventure has a moment like that and on anything. And you mm-hmm. really got to know like your why. So so what at that point how, how did you feel that experience or what you were experiencing up until that point um tied back to your overall reason for doing this? Yeah. That section from Lions into Estes Park, I think you know, that I I was nervous about the 27 mile day because I knew that was going to be a long day, but I think I was maybe arguably more nervous for that section just because I knew that it it wasn't made for walking and it was going to be really intense. Um, but again, I intentionally, there's, there's one other way to get into Rocky Mountain National Park from Lyons. You can take Highway 7. Um, but I, I really intentionally wanted to take that route because as I mentioned earlier, that's, you know, <laughs> the primary way that so many people 
from Denver, from the front range of Colorado, make it into the park. And um, so, you know, I don't know if it (laughs) in the moment, as I was just trying to make sure that I was safe, I don't know if it dawned on me in the moment, like, you know, like you're doing that. This is the why, like, this is the reason. And then you're here and you're doing it. Um, But I think definitely in hindsight and just reflecting on it, you know, that was the most important section of the hike, I think, in my mind, just understanding how how much effort um, it takes to get to to places like Rocky Mountain National Park, whether, you know, by foot or or by car, if some of those barriers are realities for you, it, it can feel like it can feel like it's as hard as walking there, you know, to to try to get there. So, yeah. I think that's <laughs> that's how I would answer that question. Mm. It, it, it's symbolic of the barriers that that some folks face to get there, but also it, it's the actual barriers, transportation and, and access. Well said. And also, I, I, I wanted to ask you: there's a spot on that road where uh, you, you kind of get over get over the hill, get over the pass, and you look down into the valley where Estes Park is, and you see, you know, kind of where it starts climbing back up to Rocky Mountain National Park. And that, that view there is unbelievable. And that's the first clear view on that road of the large, you know, alpine mountains. Did did you see that view? Was it a clear day? Were you able to, to see that? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, so basically during, during the kind of like throughout the four days, I took little videos <laughs> um, just both like mostly for myself, just to, to be able to look back on and remember this experience. And um, I took, I remember that that was like a standout moment and I stopped and, and took a video and there's a nice big pull off there. So <laughs> that was nice. I was able to also just take a little break from the shoulder, but I, yeah, again, if you have ever been to Colorado or from here, there's kind of this difference between there's like the foothills, which you see kind of like, all around you to the west when you're in the city and then um, as you're driving and you get get closer kind of to the Rockies there it, you can see the mountain just kind of changes and it becomes kind of this like incredible jagged gray like just so high like so big these peaks um, and so I remember kind of that first moment seeing like that peak through peek through the canyon and just getting so excited and and just knowing you know like that that was on the last day so there's already a lot of excitement and a lot of energy to get there but just knowing like okay you know like like I, I I'm I'm doing it like I'm here um yeah I mean I think still to this day sometimes I'm driving along that road or even along the the 36 bikeway between Denver and Boulder and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> like I, I I walked that you know and so I think, I think seeing those peaks and like in contrast to Union Station and then just knowing in my mind, you know, knowing the distance between Union Station and, and that viewpoint there, I think that it just felt really huge to know that I had made it there just on, you know, on my own two feet. So you see that beautiful sight, you know, symbolic of the, of the barriers folks were facing, like we said before, but also um, the payoff that is in store for folks that, that do make it out there, uh, but your journey wasn't over. You still had to walk through Estes Park, the town of Estes, and then uh, still a few miles to get to the actual visitor center at uh, Beaver Beaver Creek Meadows, I believe, or Beaver Creek. Tell us, you know, how it was getting to the getting to the entrance. 
Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. <laughs> yeah, so I ended officially ended at the sign, um, but like walked up to the visitor center as well. But yeah, so after that point that you mentioned of like uh, initially seeing the peaks, you get you get to the tallest point of the hike, the highest elevation. Um, and then it's kind of all downhill in Testis Park. And before seeing the sign, I just want to mention another thing, like getting into the city of Estes Park. I remember feeling the greatest relief to be back on a sidewalk. <laughs> I really want to just shout out sidewalks because they are amazing and incredible. And that so that was a huge feeling, just getting back on a sidewalk. And then, of course, going through in Estes Park, there's kind of this little river walk and I remember also thinking, I was like, oh, you know, like the whole rest of the hike, it was like really weird that I was dressed the way that I was and that I was walking on the side of the road that you're not supposed to walk on. Um, but in Estes Park, you you know, it's like a hiking town. And so I, I don't like nobody looked at me strangely or anything like they were just like, oh, she's here to see the park, you know. No one's asking you if you're OK. Yeah. <laughs> so having like that was kind of a, an interesting experience as well. But so, yeah, so then you get past kind of downtown Estes Park and walk, um, keep walking alongside the shoulder of the road. It's still 36 at that point, but it's not as um, intense. And so yeah, I remember when, <laughs> as I was walking up to the sign, there was actually a line of cars waiting to get into the park. So <laughs> um, that was just kind of interesting knowing that, you know, like, there was traffic to get into the park or car traffic to get into the park and me walking, having just walked <laughs> four days to get there, um, was going to reach that sign before these cars were. Um, and then I, I, I remember just like seeing the sign <laughs> and, um, just like shedding a tear under my sunglasses. Just, it felt so surreal. Um, and just walking up to it and being like you know like I, I did it <laughs> um and just feeling so incredibly proud of myself and my body for for being able to get me here but also just you know I think a lot of times when we you know sign up for something like this or make a commitment to to someone else or to our community you know it feels like like there's a lot of pressure you want to make sure that you're able to do it and I think you know, this was such a <laughs> an outlandish idea that that to know that then I like I had done it and I I followed through in my commitment both to the Karen project and to my community and to you know using my privilege to talk about these things and and you know showcase like these barriers that that folks can have to accessing these places. It it was just <laughs> surreal to be there and um, to know that I had accomplished my my goal in getting there. And then at the same time, it was also like, I, I was thinking, I was like, man, if I was in one of these cars, I would probably be, be like, wow, that girl is like so excited to see this sign. <laughs> um, so it was both for me, like incredibly significant. And then I, I it was kind of funny too, just thinking about how like, you know, like insignificant it probably was for people like seeing it happen not knowing what what it was i bet the mountains in the park never looked so beautiful that day <laughs> I, I feel yeah. like when i 
go somewhere on my own two feet or on a bike or with any sort of difficult effort, even even driving there, like you said, can be difficult, just getting it all worked out. It's so much more vivid and b- brilliant and bright and beautiful. And mm-hmm. I've gone to the same places, you know, on a whim, in a car, and it's not as not as difficult. And, and the place is almost a little muted compared to the, the time I saw it after something really difficult to get there. And yeah. I, I'm sure for you, Rocky Rocky Mountain National Park had never never been so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. The the sign for sure had never been so beautiful. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah, and it, that was kind of the other funny thing is you know instead of like then going into the park after that point and you know I, like I definitely wasn't going to keep hiking, um, but it, it was kind of cool to have that be like the thing that I was getting to in the visitor center um but yeah it it definitely I think it it won't ever quite be the same like pulling up to the park as (laughs) as having walked it the one time Can, can you tell us a little bit about what you what you've learned through this experience what do you think the biggest lesson is that you've learned um that's a good question (laughs) um you know, kind of like I mentioned, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, talk and training and learning and unlearning that's going on for for a lot of folks. And I think especially like as as a, a white person, um, I think there's a lot of that going on for myself personally in the outdoor space um, and just in in life in general. Um, and so I think the greatest thing that I learned was, you know, like we need to act on that as well. And that's kind of the symbolism for me of like walk the walk. Um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned one person stopped me along the way they were a cyclist and they're like, Oh, I saw you earlier today. Like that's a long way to be walking, you know? And I think my kind of big takeaway at the end was like, my whole point in this is to have folks, you know, examine your own life, examine your own privileges, access barriers, things like that, that you, you know, maybe you have experienced, maybe you haven't. And think about what are ways that we can act on those things and help break down those barriers and help, you know, pass the mic and amplify the voices of those who maybe don't look like us. Um, because otherwise, you know, it really, it really was just a long way to walk if, if there isn't that um, action and kind of next steps after it. So, yeah. Wow. No, you, 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 you literally are walking the walk, not just talking the talk. And I love that name, by the way, because it's <laughs> walking the walk is very difficult. But the reward, the reward of accomplish, accomplishing what you set out to do is also incredible. Now, can I ask you this? You know, on on this show, we talk so much about adventures and people doing really, really crazy things and really out of the box things. How did this change your view of just what adventures are possible? And and it has it inspired you to maybe think about something else that you want to do? Do you do you like this formula of setting a difficult goal and achieving it and to bring awareness to things? I I think I asked you three questions at the same time just then. Um, I can break it down a little more, but unless you want to take a stab at it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take a stab at it and then you can follow up if I didn't quite capture everything. But 
Um, you know, I think for me, one of the other components of this, like a lot, I, I talked a lot about kind of the, the transportation aspect, but um, I think there's kind of been um, an understanding in the outdoors community also that you don't like the outdoors doesn't have to mean these like places like Rocky Mountain National Park. It can also mean, and it also does mean just like places right outside your door, like nearby nature or your local park. And I think uh, for me that, especially that beginning part of the hike, just seeing, um, you know, the little like flowers peeking out of the asphalt. And um, I, I think it made me think about like, how can we, you know, like how can we continue to to promote getting outside, but also know that that can look very different for everyone and that that's not, you know, like places within a city that um, our nature are not necessarily worse or better than any other place. So I think that was kind of one of the things. And um, I also realized like, I definitely like this urban <laughs> hiking model and um, I want to shout out Liz Thomas right now as well. Um, I, I kind of learned a lot from her and, and was lucky enough to actually get to talk to her before I did this hike. Um, she is kind of the queen <laughs> of urban through hiking and also has done a lot of, you know, like the PCT and, and everything like that as well. But um, I, I think there's something to be said about hiking, you know, a city or your state or something like that in this urban hiking, urban through hiking kind of way. Um, because as we mentioned, you know, a lot of things that you wouldn't see in a car, you get to pick up on. And um, I think it just adds kind of this, this more human level of, you know, like we're all out here <laughs> just trying to make it and going through our days. Um, and you just, I don't know, you got to see a lot of cool things that, that you didn't before. <laughs> you get to um, have a great appreciation of sidewalks. So yeah, I don't know if that answered all of your questions, but. Definitely. And uh, Liz Thomas has been on the show, I think three times in the past, awesome. <laughs> like way back when we, you know, we've have 750 episodes. She was, I think episode 40 something early on. Yeah. That was before I even hosted the show. And then again, an episode like around episode 100, but yeah, she's legendary. Um, yeah. but that is so cool that, 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 uh, someone on the show for and helped inspire you. And the, yeah, the urban through hiking is, I mean, between that and being out the middle of nowhere on one of these, these, these through hiking trails, if you can be happy urban through hiking, be happy out in the middle of nowhere, everything else in between is also fair game. So something we constantly try to push for on this show is that adventure, like you said, is not these iconic grand places. It is those places, but it's also camping in your backyard or doing Mm -hmm. something different and sleep. Like we told people one time, like sleep on your porch tonight, do something really just just tweak your routine enough to make you look at things in a new light and just change your perspective. It can really just help break up the monotony of life and really add a lot of joy to your life, micro adventures. And so that when we when we start looking at adventures in that sense, too, it can really make it more approachable for everyone, um, mm-hmm. no matter their background, their race, their 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 experience. Uh, it, it can make it manageable to to try something you never tried before, like walking through your hometown up to uh, the closest national park over four days. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Um, yeah. Well, great. Well, is there anything you'd like to share? Can, where can folks find out more about uh, the Karen project as well as uh, anything else you'd like to, to share? 
yeah, you can look up the Karen Project. Um, that's spelled C-A-R-N, like the rock stacks. <laughs> um, and yeah, there, there's a couple of fundraisers going on right now. They're still doing the good work of um, gathering money for those micro grants to get to specifically support um, girls and young women into getting into the outdoors and um, see if there's any fundraisers there. Apply to be an ambassador if that's something that you're interested in. Um, and also just, you know, even outside of the Karen Project, I would say just if this is something that's interesting to you, just, you know, there's so many organizations out there um, and so many organizations that have been doing this work and, and kind of the grassroots work for so long, trying to push for more diversity, equity, and inclusion in the outdoors and, and breaking down barriers. Um, I would just encourage everyone to um, start, you know, do some more research, start looking into some of these organizations and um, really see what, what it is that, <laughs> that you can do also to help uh, walk the walk. Well, Julia, that that's perfect. Um, yeah, thank you for being on the show. This was great. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been fun. It's, you know, I did this the walk, like I mentioned in 2019, and so it's it's always fun to kind of look back at it and and to relive those memories. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you having me. First of all. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.